So our, our first child encountered Santa for the very first time when he was about three or four years old. It was a, a community sort of Christmas festival. So, of course, there he was, right? A large man with a giant white beard dressed in red with a black belt and black boots. There was a line of kids uh, and parents waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, but Maya and I never really like put a whole lot of like effort into like teaching our kids about Santa. I'm not exactly sure why, but we thought it's not worth waiting in line that long to see Santa Claus. So we did other things, but then at the end of the party, like the line was almost entirely empty. So we were like, okay, I mean, we don't want our kid to be like that kid who goes to school for the first time and is like, who's Santa, right? <laughs> like that would be weird. So we, we got in line and and we got to the front of the line, and our son Noah sort of moved behind me and peered out sort of from behind my leg at this strange guy sitting on a chair. And Santa, as Santa does, said, ho, 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 what would you like for Christmas, little boy? Then I heard this little voice coming from behind me, no, I'm good. <laughs> Like, I'm really excited about Christmas, but I don't need anything from you. He didn't want anything to do with this bizarre character, which honestly, like, I totally got. Like, he didn't have any idea what Santa was. He wasn't familiar with Santa really in any way, which meant that, that all the things that make Santa Santa just made him scary rather than fun and exciting. Well... As, as often happens, the same thing tends to happen to us when we read about certain people in the Bible. For example, John the Baptist, which Peter talked about today, is a strange character in a bizarre costume doing weird things. And honestly, um, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to us necessarily what certain people do in the Bible. But once upon a time, it did make sense. For the first readers of these stories, it made a lot of sense, just like Santa Claus makes sense to all of us. I'll show you. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the path for God's movement. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps on his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Okay, so just like Santa Claus, we have a huge line of people coming to see this guy all dressed up in this strange-looking costume. I mean, it says all the people from a major city, Jerusalem, have come out to see him. And honestly, if I encountered a guy dressed like this, eating bugs, who said, ho, 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 would you like to be baptized, little boy? (laughs) Or older guy, I'm pretty sure that I would say, no, I'm good. (laughs) That's okay. So why are so many people going out to see John? Well, because all of these people were familiar with the stories and the traditions that they had heard from when they were little kids. Stories that transformed John from a weird guy into a meaningful and good character who is there to bring good news, and to give a good gift. So in our first reading that we heard today from the prophet Malachi, God said, See, I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So when Santa shows up, we know that we're getting ready for Christmas, right? When we start seeing Christmas trees going up, we know that we're getting ready for Christmas. So when Elijah shows up, the people know that God is on the way to bring healing and to bring an end to oppression and injustice. That's what everyone is expecting. But how are we supposed to know who Elijah is and, and where he'll be? Well, Elijah stands out in history and in the story of Judaism because he was a prophet who lived in the wilderness, eating whatever it was that God provided, probably locusts and honey. And he wore clothes made of animal hair and a leather belt around his waist. John is wearing the costume of the prophet Elijah. And everyone knows exactly what that means. This is great. He's not weird. He's Santa Claus, sort of, right? So everyone who is desperate for some good news lines up in the wilderness. But they're not lining up for a doll or for a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. They're lining up because they want oppression, violence, and despair to be replaced by freedom, by healing, by peace, and by hope. W- wouldn't you go <laughs> if, that, if that's what was being offered? There are people all around us, there are people all around the world, as we know, who would trade a lifetime of Christmas gifts for just a glimpse of this kind of good news. Freedom, healing, peace, and hope. So, I had just written that line on Friday afternoon in my office. Freedom, healing, peace, and hope. And I thought, now what? (laughs) Where do I go from here? I'm not exactly sure what to say next. So I looked up from my computer wondering what I could possibly say, but nothing. I had no idea really what I was doing. I had no idea what I would say. No clear direction. So I just stared blankly at a box that was sitting on my table that had just arrived filled with candles for Christmas Eve. So good news, we have enough candles for Christmas Eve presumably this year. I, I just stared 
and stared and stared, and I have no idea how long it was that I was staring at this box, and still, like, nothing really was there. And, and then all of a sudden, my mind, or my eyes, focused on something that was printed on the box, and it said this, everything Christian for less. <laughs> Everything. That's amazing, right? Everything Christian for less. So I went to their website. Christmas candles? Check. Bibles? Check. Pillows and coffee cups with Bible verses on them? Check. Christian romance novels? Check. And even the game Hungry Hungry Hippos, which... Who knew that that was Christian, right? <laughs> what they did not have was an Elijah costume or, or a John the Baptist costume or chocolate-covered locusts and wild honey, you know, for everyone interested in playing those parts this year at Christmas. And, and maybe that's because the message of Elijah and the message of John, it doesn't quite fit this company slogan. First of all, not even this old school religious prophet can do everything Christian. John's like, this is what I do. This is what I can do. I will baptize you with water. This symbolic act, which I hope is meaningful for you. But Jesus will baptize you with God's very presence. I can invite people to commit or to recommit to God's way of healing love in the world, but we can't actually do all of that on our own, under our own strength. As a prophet, John can see that, that one day, one day the world will be saved by an online Christian bookstore that can do all of this for us for less, right? No, of course not. This is perhaps the second way that Elijah and John don't quite fit this slogan. Because not everything in life, not everything about faith comes at a discount. There are actually some things that are worth the extra investment of our time, our energy, and our attention, right? John is baptizing people in a river, which just at a very basic level, on its own, as a symbolic act, says there is something happening here that is worth immersing ourselves in. We're going all in on this renewed commitment to God's work for healing and for justice. I, I'm, we're not asking you to do less. We're actually asking you to lean a little bit more in to what's happening here. I, I mean, think about it. Some of the most meaningful things in life can't really be for less if they're going to be meaningful, if they're going to have an impact. I'm hoping to have a meaningful and life-giving relationship with my partner or my spouse or my kids or my friends or my community. But I'm waiting till Black Friday to get it at half off, right? So that I don't have to spend that much time with these people that I love. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it, right? We, we don't 
get meaningful relationships for less. We can't do it all, obviously. But a meaningful and satisfying life has to include a few areas of our life where we keep leaning in rather than pulling away. Whether that's work or relationships or our faith or hobbies or community involvement. When does leaning in and going a little bit deeper help us and others to thrive? It doesn't always happen. Leaning in doesn't always help. But what are those areas in our lives where leaning in helps ourselves and others to thrive? The Gospel of Mark doesn't actually have a birth story. But Advent, the season of Advent that we're in, the word Advent means coming or, or arriving. So before Jesus arrives in Mark, or before we get to celebrate Jesus' arrival at Christmas, John the Baptist, dressed up as Elijah, is inviting us to notice, in part, our limitations. God is God and we are not. And since we can't do it all, when in this season does letting go or not doing something help us to rest and heal and thrive? There's so many things to do, right? There's so, so many things to do before we get to Christmas. But this season of Advent is also inviting us to consider, well, what, what other parts of life then, if we don't do those things, what other parts of life are worth leaning into just that little bit more? Baptism, symbolically, is a practice of leaning in and letting go. Leaning in and letting go. Leaning in and letting go, which is a lot of life trying to decide individually and as a community, what are the things that I'm going to lean into and what are the things am I going to let go? What am I going to let go so that I can lean into these other things that are meaningful and important and have an impact on my life and the life of others around me? So during this season of Advent, I invite you to consider what those things are, what you'll lean into and what you'll let go. Gracious God, thank you for all the ways that you allow us to be human with our limitations and with our capacity to do good and meaningful things. We pray that your spirit would surround us, guide us, and direct us with wisdom and with compassion as we move through this Advent season. Amen.